Hey, hello, and welcome back to Beyond Our Role at NYU Langone. We're kicking off the new episode today with Dr. Charles Langs. Hi, Dr. Charles Langs. How are you? Good. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm so excited to get to know you a little more outside of your role. Um, but first, let's tell everyone um, what you do here at NYU. So here at NYU, I'm a clinical uh, consulting nephrologist. I see patients in the office every day, pretty much a full day, our new office on uh, 41st Street. I also have weeks where I'm primarily uh, seeing patients on the inpatient service at Tish Kimmel. Uh, about half the time that's with uh, one of our uh, renal fellows and uh, sometimes the what we call the attending only service seeing uh, inpatient nephrology. I also um, have a leadership uh, teaching role in the Department of Medicine uh, called a firm chief. And I have medical students really throughout the year and make rounds with them uh, in the order of once a week during their medicine clerkship uh, at uh, either Tish Kimmel or Bellevue Hospital. And I uh, actually really, really enjoy that hat that I wear. Um, uh, and I'm very, uh, very much into mentoring the medical students um, and find that connection extremely enriching and rewarding. And uh, a number of the students um, stay in touch even beyond uh, their time in medical school and well into their training. Uh, not sure that I've been too successful in, in uh, convincing many of them to, to enter our field, but uh, it's something that I enjoy uh, quite a bit. Keeps awesome. me keeps me as young as I possibly can be considering my biology. <laughs> yeah, that it must be a wonderful connection to have and like to, to hear, you know, the different ways that they think about things and like helping them walk through all the things that they right. need to learn. Another thing um, that I do that I think that they enjoy is I sort of give them a sense of what it's like to have a life as a doctor outside of uh, medicine. So I'm not shy about sharing, you know, the things I like to do, my interests. And I think in some way they find that reassuring that there can be a life after medical school. Yes. So uh, that's sort of part of the dynamic as well. That's awesome. Yeah, because I like even myself, I came in, I never worked with doctors before. And I kind of see everyone from like the background and it seems chaotic <laughs> like you're always running from one place to the next there's always something going on and I always ask like how is it that you have time for everything like how are you on call for 24 hours and um you see patients and you're doing research and you're like it it, it can easily seem like your whole life revolves around medicine at all times so that that must be super insightful for them and and reassuring like you said um how long have you been here Oh boy. Oh boy. I came back in 1986, originally to Bellevue, where I was based in the dialysis unit, and then went into practice and shifted more over to Tisch in 1992. So I've been here quite some time now. I think I'm only outdistanced by maybe uh, Dr. Lowenstein. Oh, okay. Yeah, because I, um, I know right. Dr. Thompson, he was a fellow here. 
he said. Yes, Dr. Uh, Thompson was an intern when I was in attending. That's how old wow. I am, right? Wow, and he that's amazing. And he likes to tell a story of uh, present his team presenting to me on Thanksgiving morning one year when everybody was itching to go out and I supposedly went on and on about hyponatremia. <laughs> <laughs> and he decided to go into nephrology despite that. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. So yeah, it, it sounds like everyone here in the nephrology, but like there's long lasting relationships, like, right. um, you know, for years and years, right. you know, being here, that's, it's really, really amazing. So I am curious to know why you chose nephrology. I know that you're trying to convince the medical students to go into the field. Um, so why did you choose nephrology? Well, I think, uh, you know, it's funny. Um, when I go back to freshman year of college in introductory biology, the first course I took, I ended up in the uh, renal physiology section. And we actually covered during the, uh, the course chapter by chapter, Homer Smith's um, book on the kidney uh, from Fish to Philosopher, which really traces the evolution of the kidney through uh, the different phyla. And when I got to medical school, I was at Albert Einstein, and it was a place that had a, a rich tradition of nephrology. Um, people like uh, Richard Hayes and Sherman Levine and Norman Banks. And when we had our our course uh, was run by Sherman Levine. He was quite a dynamo, known to have a photographic memory. He called on people during his lectures by name without mm. looking at the, having looked at the pictures the night before. Uh, and I think that really things started to take off when I went on the wards during my medicine clerkship. One of my medicine tendings was Dr. Chariton's father. And wow. I was quite, quite taken, quite seduced by his um, intelligence, his analytic thinking, his incredible depth of knowledge. And I sort of said, you know, I want to try to be like that. I spent extra time in my fourth year with um, Dr. Charidin, senior, mm -hmm. <laughs> and his, uh, his, some of his colleagues, Dr. Golden, Dr. Raskoff. And that was really my um, first glimpse into what it I'd like to be a doctor. Uh, I spent time in their office. We went to various hospitals doing renal consults and it was just myself. So it was kind of like a, uh, at that time, a kind of unique opportunity to be up close uh, with nephrology. And uh, so that's, uh, the, the other thing was that I sort of got this idea that since we deal with, um, we take care of patients with chronic illness, that it uh, afforded an opportunity to form a long-term relationship with patients, uh, and even including those who were going on to dialysis, which was sort of anathema to many of my colleagues. Um, the idea of dialysis and it being depressing and hopeless and futile, I didn't see it that way. Mm. Um, so that's um, really, you know, that and kind of falling in love with the challenge of understanding the pathophysiology of the kidney. Um, really why I chose nephrology. That's awesome. That's an amazing story. <laughs> you worked with Dr. Chardon Sr. <laughs> you got, yes. you got like a yes. VIP, uh, you know, right. Right. Check, like look, uh, an inside look on like what this could really look like for right. you. And he really That's was honestly the most important person in my decision. There's no question. 
Really? That's great. I feel like that. there's always that one person, right? That we kind of like, we want to be just like you, whatever you're doing, I want to do that. And that like, it's like a domino effect that leads into like, and it's amazing how we can be that person for, because I'm sure it's happened in your field and you may not even recognize it yourself, that you were that person to a student. Um, I I try to be some kind of person. I'm sure you've done it. Yeah, I'm sure you've done it because there's been a few people like that for me in my life. Um, I haven't been able to tell them that directly because our, you know, our past have gone different ways. But there's been a few people in my life where they kind of triggered, you know, the next step. And um, I think about them often where it's like, wow, because of this person, I am where I am today, you know, so I'm sure that you've you know, touched plenty of students' lives in that way. Um, So it's incredible to hear your own story and how someone did that for you. Yeah. Um, So, I mean, we're talking a lot about your work. Um, It sounds like you have a gazillion hats. And like (laughs) I said, um, how how do you guys do this? So like, my thing is like, how do you find time for fun? And what do you do for fun? Because I feel like, you guys have no time, but that, that's just me as an outsider, right? Like, right. Well, I guess my answer to the time question is that I notoriously get up extremely early every day and I'm in the hospital rounding very early and I'm pre-charting very early in the office. So I I do that. Um, Number one, it's a very peaceful time of day and you can hear yourself think, so to speak, but it also (laughs) gives me some chance to have, you know, an hour and a half or two hours in the evening to be conscious and maybe have time to do something else. So sort of how I make the time. And I, I do have a lot of, uh, shall we say, extra renal uh, interests. Mm-hmm. Um, I follow sports, uh, all sports, but particularly baseball. I have been a lifelong tennis player uh, and I'm still, I still play singles and I'm quite, you know, enjoy uh, playing tennis. I'm also, um, I study piano. I take piano lessons. I have a great teacher. I'm not sure what kind of pupil he has, but (laughs) I study the piano. I play classical repertoire, um, Beethoven, Mozart, concertos. Um, (laughs) I'm trying to play Rachmaninoff right now, and that's not going very well because it's quite (laughs) difficult. I love the music of Prokofiev, but I'm also not quite good enough to make it sound like music. (laughs) <laughs> when you play 20th century repertoire and don't play it well, it sounds awful. Take it from me. But I, I try to play the piano every day. Wow. Um, it's, it's sure, it's an escape. It's a challenge. And it's also very rewarding in the following sense. It's, you start with nothing. You, you start a new piece and you can't play it. And you work your tail off for months and months and months. And at the end of it, if you continue to believe in the process, you come out with something. Mm-hmm. And that's extremely gratifying. And I don't have too many other examples of that in my life where mm-hmm. I can have that feeling of, of accomplishing something very right. Powerful. A beginning to end, really. And like Yeah, yeah. So that's a that's a, a very nice feeling. And as long as it sounds okay to me that's all I I'm playing for myself I'm just playing for my own uh, enjoyment so so that's something that I spend a lot of time I'm also very into music um 
I grew up as a rock and roll person, the usual <laughs> Beatles, Stones, Kinks, The Who, uh, the Ramones, um, and the band. Uh, and then uh, I took the plunge about 10 or 15 years ago and, and overcame my, my fear of jazz. And now I'm quite into jazz. So my- Why, would, why did you have a fear of jazz? I'm curious. Well, it's weird because I was very into rock and roll and I was listening to classical music since I was 10 years old and loved classical music and used to go to young people's concerts and all that stuff, Leonard Bernstein. But jazz was intimidating to me because it seemed very chaotic and I couldn't make sense of it. And I was lucky enough to have a very close friend uh, who I grew up with in high school, who's a jazz critic, and he kind of led me into the jazz world, and um, and now I'm totally hooked. And mm. uh, the music I go to in person now is primarily jazz or, uh, or or the opera. So that's sort of a. I've never been to a bad jazz concert. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I feel like so they're all incredible. Something yeah. that I you know that I love to do, and then I think finally. Uh, I'm a, I'm quite an avid reader, mostly, mostly of fiction. That's why I don't know anything, but <laughs> I, I, I read, um, I read quite a bit. I read, some would say compulsively, uh, but again, it's, a, it's in, I, I've been a lifelong reader. I think I have to credit my mother and mm -hmm. my 10th grade English teacher, Mrs. Bennett. Wow. Uh, for turning me on to the joys of, of fiction. I'm a big fan of the 19th century novel. Um, so those are the things that I, those are the things I, I do um, for, so for do you have and relaxation. So do you have like a schedule um, like for when you do these things? So you're an avid reader. Are you doing this like on your way to work, right? Like yeah, so maybe I, on the yeah. commute? <laughs> right. I, I can do it. it. I can read at work if I have a little time before I start seeing patients or between mm -hmm. patients. I try to have at least a half an hour, an hour to read at night, but I, I tend to read a lot on the weekends. Okay. Um, and it, it's funny, like a lot of things, if you, if you have a small amount of time that you can set aside for something and you can do it most of the time, you can really, you can really cover ground. You can really get somewhere. And you uh, just have to know like what it is that you want to do, because I feel like I can have 10, 15 minutes to spare in a day. But right. in my head, I'll have a gazillion things that I want to do. But if I'm a little more intentional, like, OK, I have a 15 minute break. I could focus on just this one task. You yeah. can cover like so much ground um, in, yeah. in you know, that short funny. time. I, I think it gets back for me. I had this image when I was growing up. My dad was a was a, a psychoanalyst. Some are going to say that explains a lot. <laughs> and um, and he uh, he was a writer. He was quite a um, prolific writer, and he was always working on a manuscript. So if he played tennis, you know, between games, you know, he would he would basically have a manuscript that he was working on all the time. And he worked all the time. So I think that maybe uh, maybe I learned uh, the use of time through that experience. You know? mm -hmm. Yeah, the time management is extremely important extremely yeah. important so but there's also a lot to be said for doing nothing right <laughs> yeah it sounds like a Seinfeld remark right yeah <laughs> <laughs>
Yes. Um, yeah. So that's incredible. Would you recommend a fiction book to anyone else? Like, what's your favorite fiction book then that oh, you would boy. Yeah, favorite recommend? Book. Boy, the one question I'll never be able to answer. Well, <clears throat> my favorite writer is Thomas Hardy, who's, which may say something about me because his his fiction is not usually happy. His one novel, <laughs> his one great novel that ends happily, far from men and crowd, and particularly love. And my favorite of his is probably. Jude the Obscure, um, which is not a happy book it, um, and has one of the most horrific scenes in all of fiction in it. I won't, I won't spoil it. Um, you know, it's funny when people ask for recommendations for me, I'm always a little reluctant because it's so much a matter of personal taste. Mm -hmm. And one person's um, idol is another person's bore. Mm -hmm. So even though I have my own taste i'm always reluctant um to recommend books mm -hmm. because i don't know whether it will suit the person's taste i usually ask for a country and a and a, and a century and maybe you know give me an example of something you liked and i try to go along those lines um so it's it's hard for me to come up with a great book yeah i feel like um it it while it can be difficult because like you said taste is very unique to eat, like each and every one of us but it does speak a lot about you and your personality <laughs> so you saying that it's your favorite book and it was like horrific like it had a horrific <laughs> right. you know it just makes me curious you know and i'm kind of interested and intrigued so maybe i will yeah. pick up that book I right mean, because i, I want some examples i mean you know i prefer the bronte sisters to jane austen i prefer zola to balzac i prefer dostoevsky to tolstoy and i prefer roth to bellow have recognizing full well that in each pairing i'm probably pulling for the underdog and the lesser regarded writer yeah so there are no absolutes you know it's mm -hmm. not this is not uh, quantum mechanics it's all a matter of taste and what you connect to and also i think another thing is that um you get something different out of reading depending on what point of life you are in and i've had the experience of going back to read things as, that i read as an adolescent or you know younger adult and it's it's it can be quite different Mm -hmm. I agree. I feel like part of the fun. Part of the fun. Right. I've had disappointing. Faces. It can actually be disappointing. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, a book that I thought was really great when I was young can turn out to be mediocre. Uh, on the other hand, um, something that I didn't quite get the first time around, I sometimes get the second time around. So mm -hmm. it can cut both ways. I can see that totally. I feel like I've had phases of like where I, I just want to read certain genres of books. Um, like right now in this particular time in my life, I'm into self-help books, you know, personal development, like that's my jam now. But when I was in college, I was reading nothing but textbooks and wanted to get away. So my book, you know, the, the types of books I was reading was different um, during that time. Right. Yeah, I mean, I had a 10 year period during my life where I think I read three books, you know, I mean, that's, that's called, <laughs> that's called medical school residency and fellowship. <laughs> there, is, right. there is a large gap. And one of the great things about finishing fellowship was I felt like I could then go back to reading fiction. And I remember going back and starting to read Faulkner and Bellow and Roth and all those because I was, I did have a 10 year period where I was uh, pretty much functionally illiterate. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. I mean, you had no choice, right? You had to read had a bunch no of textbooks choice. and <laughs> memorize. I had to read about, uh, you know, the barrier dynamics and yeah, mm-hmm. I had to learn nephrology and medicine. Right. <laughs> right. Awesome. Um, so I have a, a fun, I, I thought it would be fun. Um, if you had a superpower, what would it be? Yeah. You know, I don't really even know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> what do you consider? Is there anything you consider like a superpower for somebody to be able to do? Or even like if you think of a superhero? Um, well, first, I, you know, I, I, I'd like to just share who my heroes were growing up. Sure. Because I sort of see, I still see the world a little bit like a 10 year old mm-hmm. in that I have heroes and favorites. So I'd like to kind of have fun with that for a bit and then, uh, and then maybe answer your question. Mm-hmm. My heroes growing up were uh, Roberto Clemente, right fielder for the Pittsburgh Pirates, John Lennon, and uh, the great tennis player Arthur Ashe. Wow. Unfortunately, they all ended up sharing something very, very terrible that they met, you know, untimely uh, demises at a very, very young age. Roberto died in a plane crash trying to help people uh, who were victims of an earthquake in Nicaragua. John Lennon was assassinated. And Arthur Ashe died of HIV, having been transfused for coronary bypass uh, surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, my current heroes are my wife, who's a physician scientist, and my daughter, who's a baseball journalist. Women. My <laughs> Women favorite home. things, these are a few of my favorite things, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, my favorite opera is a Marriage of Figaro. My favorite jazz pianist is Thelonious Monk. My favorite movie, and there's nothing else like it is Godfather one and my <laughs> favorite rock and roll band is the band my favorite classical composer is Beethoven don't talk to me about Mozart <laughs> followed by Debussy Ravel and Prokofiev so those are my favorites in terms of superpowers for me um, if I could have one wish other than the health of my family and, and, and really everyone mm-hmm. My one wish, and I think this has been my wish since I was about 10 years old, would be, I wish I could be a concert pianist. Wow. I wish I could be a a concert pianist. Yeah. It used to be, do you want to be a professional tennis player or do you want to be a concert pianist? Not, do you want to be a nephrologist? Uh, (laughs) And uh, yeah, if I could play, um, if I could be a professional pianist, that that would be my dream. Um, that would be my dream. I don't think so it's that's, too that's late, Dr. Like, Lang. I don't think that's like, a superpower, right? Um, I mean, what makes you feel like that's such a powerful thing? Is it being on stage? No, 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 no. It has it nothing to do with performing. No, it has nothing to do with performing or performing for other people. It has to do with being able to play the music the way the composer heard it in their head. Mm-hmm. And that sound to, to that creation has nothing to do with performing. If I could, I w- if I could be on a remote island with a great piano and play that way, I would be very happy. Yeah, I feel like it, it's still a very possible thing for you to do, though. <laughs> no, so, um, <laughs> no, it is. Yeah, I don't. I don't believe in the, you know, if you practice 10 hours a day, you could do it. I, I, unfortunately, I don't believe it. I mean, I think you in, I think I, you can get better at piano. You can build technique, which allows you to play more and more of the repertoire. 
um, as opposed to tennis, which I'm actually pretty darn good tennis player, but I don't expect to get better. And I'm perfectly happy maintaining where I am. But piano, I do have this um, yearning to get better so I can play more, you know, complex and beautiful mm-hmm. music. But, you know, on the, I'd never be able to hit a hundred mile an hour fastball. I'd never be able to serve at 130 miles per hour. There are, we do have our limitations and there mm-hmm. are people who are, there are many, many people who are gifted. So I don't believe that anybody can do anything. I, I, I think we all have, we have our limitations, mm-hmm. but that doesn't uh, prevent me from wanting to get, to be able to play piano. <laughs> no, yeah, of course, because you're doing it for enjoyment, for, for fun. Right. Which is great. You're not doing it for any other reason. <laughs> That's correct. That's yeah, correct. So, right. I'm yeah. keeping my day job. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, do you want to, you want to go in a concert? You want to perform for everyone? Go for it. No, you no, still got no, time. no, it's not, it's not that. It's not that. <laughs> I'm too inhibited. I'm, I'm too inhibited. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I mean, it's, if it, you can bring it smaller and do like a pub somewhere, you know, how they allow like musicians, like you can start there, Dr. Langs, we'll go visit you. We'll go cheer you on. No, <laughs> no you know, the Kinks have a great little song about this called All of My Friends Were There. And it's about a guy who's getting up and performing uh, at a nightclub and he's bombing and says, and the lyric is just when I wanted no one to be there, all of my friends were there and not just <laughs> my friends, but their best friends too. That's exactly what would happen. (laughs) We're all there, and you're like, "Oh, okay." Right. I have nightmares that start something like that. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this was so so great. I'm not. I feel like I've learned so much about you, and I'm so grateful that you took the time to like share all of this about yourself because I had no idea. I'm still like, even though I've been here for three years you know, the pandemic chopped off a huge chunk of that. And I'm still really trying to get to know the faculty and, you know, what everyone does outside of nephrology. Um, so like everything I learned about you, I'm amazed. It's incredible. Is there anything else that you'd like to share that maybe, you know, we don't know about you or just like, a, I don't know, something to kind of end this <laughs> yes, <laughs> conversation? It's gonna be, yes, it's going to be silly. I want to talk about my my athletic triumphs and disasters okay. from yesterday. <laughs> so I had the ignominious uh, distinction of losing to Vetus Gerolitis in a tennis tournament when we were 15 years old. He went on to win the Australian Open and be top five in the world, so I shouldn't Whoa. feel so bad. However, <laughs> on my side, I did win the handball tournament after school with my friend Richie in 10th grade, and I still have the blue ribbon. Oh. I did win the three-man volleyball tournament after school in 11th grade and I hit two home runs in the semifinal softball tournament against the varsity baseball team the last one to right field I can still visualize it but we lost in the finals to a bunch of low-life underclassmen (laughs) because my friend Kenny who was catching threw the ball over my head at third base with a runner on third base despite everybody saying Kenny no matter what, do not throw the ball down to third base to try to pick off the runner. 
That's what Kenny, I want yeah. to know. Kenny, that's I all, hope you're that's hearing everything this. everything you need to know. <laughs> <laughs> Kenny, I hope you're hearing this. You messed up. You messed up. You messed up. <laughs> and I never <laughs> that is so funny. Yeah. Like, I, it's, it's crazy how we have these core memories, right? Of like right. things that happened in our lives. And like, Kenny, he's going to hear this someday. <laughs> he's going to know. <laughs> he messed up. <laughs> That's right. You could have won. Right. All in good fun. Yes. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Langs. Okay. This is extremely you. fun. And um, yeah, well, on to the next episode. Great. Thank you so much for having <laughs> no me. No problem. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.